0: When you hear that sound, it's probably too late. You need a guy. I wanna be your guy. I'm Kevin with Corson Fire and Security and I'm a Restaurant Territory Account Manager. Do you know who's doing your inspections at your restaurant? Please reach out to me at 615-974-2932 and I'll be glad to come out and take a quick look and look at all your fire safety inspection needs. If you're building a new restaurant, we can help with that too. As far as kitchen suppression, fire extinguishers, emergency lights, we do it all. One stop, one shop. Call Kevin at 615-974-2932. Let me be your guy, Nashville. Hey, this is Jason Ellis with Nashville Super Source. We're so proud to be a sponsor for Nashville Restaurant Radio. We would love the opportunity to discuss your chemical and dish machine program with you. If you have any needs or any questions about your current program, opening a new restaurant, or just need a double set of eyes on that, we'd love the opportunity to help you with that. My number is 770-337-1143. We don't do any contracts, no minimums, weekly service to make sure that all your equipment is functioning properly. Make sure you have everything that you need. Again, my name is Jason Ellis, (sighs) 770-337-1143. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still.
1: Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We are powered by Gordon Food Service, and I'm joined... I'm a co-host, Caroline Galsen, in the intro today.
2: Hi, Brandon.
1: How you doing? I'm
2: great. How are you?
1: Shot out of a cannon.
2: <laughs> you know, I, was, I actually Here almost said I'm highly caffeinated. Yeah. We're both just like on a level.
1: <laughs> I'm excited today because we have a third timer coming on today. This is Carrie Bringle's third episode. I've been teasing this for like three months. Because we've wanted to have him in, and we couldn't have him in, and then we had to change this and change that. Then finally, we got him in here, and I thought this interview was, was classic Carrie, man. That was a really, I thought it was a really informative interview.
2: I, I really enjoyed, uh, I've known Carrie for a long time, but I enjoyed getting to know more about Carrie, n- more about his story, and kind of what his background was growing up. Um, I thought it was something really interesting and engaging that I didn't know previously. And, um, you know, Carrie has a lot of opinions. Uh, some I agree with, some I disagree with, but I really appreciated that I thought this was a great reminder for me that I need to get more informed and more engaged in local politics. You know, I'm somebody who always says, hey, you have to vote in every election and it's, it's so important to be engaged. So this was a great reminder for me that I need to brush up on that a little bit
1: 100 percent. i could not agree with you more i think that he is so he's so in the middle of it and that's a passion of his and really getting there he's somebody who actually is making a difference like getting into the politics and contacting politicians knows them all by name and that's kind of why i wanted him in because he's done the research come tell me what you've researched and what you've done and
2: He's, defi- he's definitely, he's uh, definitely seems to be in the mix. And uh, like I said, I think it's important for all of us to, I hate to use this term do your own research. Cause I feel like nowadays it's been used to imply something else, but, but truly do your own research, get out there and, and get engaged in what's going on in the city. It's important.
1: It certainly has inspired me to, uh, to do that. And I will definitely do a lot more of that work. And I, I'm excited to have these type conversations on this show because we don't, You know, a lot of shows are good interview shows where we're talking to chefs about their business. I thought he was very vulnerable at some points where he was talking about how he didn't get the first location, and he talks about his childhood. Mm -hmm. He talks about kind of tough love that his mom gave him, and he talks about who he looked up to growing up and what kind of. I think what I I think in this interview we get to the core of like kind of who he is. And it's not just all political stuff. Like he talks about things I've never heard him talk about before.
2: Yeah, same. I I was uh, I found it to be very engaging and helped me understand more about who he is and what t- the experiences that shaped him and who he is today.
1: Well, whether you love him or hate him, whatever your story is, and hopefully you love him. But uh, I think this interview is something that you should, I think hopefully you will learn something today. I know I certainly did. Hopefully, you'll learn something uh, about our local politics. Hopefully, it will inspire you to want to go do that research and learn for yourself what you believe. Because I don't think you should take what I say or what Caroline says or what Carrie says. You need to take that as a, wow, that's interesting. I want to go learn more about that. And then go do that research and learn for yourself. And then make that decision with your wallet where you spend your money. And you need to make that decision in the voting box. And you need to go vote. Absolutely. So with all that being said... I'm super excited today to uh, to put this episode out with Carrie Bringle. She has notes.
2: I have so had I notes
1: the first two times you're on the show, and then <laughs> I didn't, And like, I went back and listened to the first two times you're on the show, and now, right. uh, well, the first time you were on the show, you were my first interview, by the way. Yeah, you know I guess that. So, yeah it was on my birthday wasn't it it was on march 17th
0: yeah
2: nice.
1: it was on yeah. saint patrick's day 2020. Oh so that's mm-hmm. like
2: how how long had we been shut down three days
1: we weren't even shut down i don't yet. think we were shut down we yet. yet we weren't yet um, we
2: closed on the 14th that's we, like a date that's burned in my mind the 14th yeah.
1: was when i put my first out i i just talked into a microphone and i had messaged him to hey would you like to be on the show and he said come down and see me in the whole show I want to know about his history and his upcoming this I want to do I'm doing like a journalistic I want to interview Carrie Bringle and I'm like hey there's a bunch of shit that's about to go down in our world that's what that's what I should have done like three days later or whatever like a week later he, he writes an open letter and I'm like we could have talked about all of that if I hadn't had this month long agenda to talk to him about all this stuff and I, I third time on the show I think you're the first three timer that we've had
0: is it maybe?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm
1: excited you're here. Right on. Well, this yeah. is actually your fourth time because you came in to accept a nomination. You accepted your award for the uh, best of Nashville just recently with your son.
0: Oh yeah, well that was the second time. I hadn't. Was I on two times before that?
1: Yeah, we did a full interview. We you helped us break down. The episode was called "What's Why Is Nashville Broke." Oh, I put I got you. E. and okay. broke in because nice. the mayor had proposed a 34% uh, mm. tax increase. And then you wrote an open letter about that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I didn't know. And you as somebody who's a business owner, not just yeah. a business owner, but you're a land owner. I mean, I don't oh, think yeah, as many, yeah. we talked about what it means to be locally owned and operated. And it's like, you're the definition of truly Locally owned and operated. I own the dirt. I own every piece of this. I don't have a bunch of invest. I don't. You don't have any investors, do you? No. It no. is you. Yeah. So when it comes down to property taxes, that's <laughs> comes not out of my pocket. that comes out of your pocket, and yeah. you're very, very vocal about that. And I didn't know necessarily what he was talking about, so I said, "Will you come in?" And I heard somebody say this the other day, and I thought it was really funny. He goes, "Will you treat me like I'm driving alone in my car wearing a mask?"
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was like. <laughs>
1: Is that the new thing? Treat me like I'm a kindergartner. Yeah. And uh, so I said, well, just treat me like I know n- absolutely nothing, which I didn't. And you broke it down, and I was like, wow, that was amazing. Thank you. And it was one of the number. It was the number one listen to episode for the thing is right now number three or number two of the all time listens yeah, on good. the show. So, all
0: right. Well, that's good. Well, let's see if
2: we can beat it. All what, right. are, what are we going to talk shit about today? Yeah.
1: I don't have a big agenda. I know that I want to talk about in the same vein. I want to talk about the football stadium. Right. And the, the big, a lot of people want to talk about where this money's coming from. When two and a half years ago, we have to increase our uh, property tax so that we can pay for general things. Yeah. Now we're coming out a billion dollars to put a new football stadium in. And a lot yeah. of people have said, is this the right, where's the money coming from? And I still don't know.
0: Yeah. Because it's, because it's debt. We don't, I mean, it's bullshit. You know, the, the thing is that it's not that, and somebody asked me the other day, what do you think about the new football stadium or the proposed new football stadium? At the time, it wasn't approved. And I said, look, I love the idea of a new football stadium. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm cool. not, everybody gets excited about that. looks cool, all this, you know, but, um, you know, what they won't tell you is it'll be one of the smallest, if not the smallest in the NFL. It will probably never attract a Super Bowl because it's simply not a big enough stadium. And although it may have all the shiny bright lights and everything, it's not a big stadium.
2: Is it smaller than the current stadium?
0: I believe that it is. It is. The current stadium holds 67,000 people. Yeah. Okay. I, and I, is, and is, I'm not positive on that, so don't quote me on 62, it. it 62, I think, is this new one. And now yeah. I'll
2: be the person who's like, talk to me like I'm alone in my car with a mask on. Because uh, I don't really know much <laughs> about this, and I am a very, very casual watcher of football. So... How is how does that compare to like what's a typical football stadium
1: in the NFL? Yeah,
0: I think that's I think I think it's close to being on par. Probably but na- yeah, but but you know if we're going I mean we're going down in size. We're saying that our current stadium can't host a Super Bowl. It's not nice enough, so we're building a brand new one and it's smaller. And so, you know, I mean, it, it, here's the deal: we, the the mayor came and said, "I've got to solve our financial problems, and I got to raise property taxes thirty four percent." Well, he convinced a lot of people that was a good idea, and obviously he convinced our city council, which, by the way, is uh, way too big, and we're the third largest in the country behind Chicago and New York, and uh, they can't get anything done except for they can vote on how to spend our money, which, you know, doesn't affect them. So, you know, now they voted for it, and, and it's, you know, Cooper didn't solve any problems. Cooper took the money that the state gave him for, to help small businesses and to help get through COVID, and he spent it on his pet projects. And our schools are terrible. And, you know, there's some great aspects about our school. There's some amazing teachers in our school system. That doesn't mean that our school system is not completely broken. It's completely broken. But, you know, Cooper threw money at that. He threw money at his other pet projects. Uh, you know, and he didn't give, he didn't do anything for local businesses. I'm gonna tell you that. I mean, speaking as a local business person, the city did next to zero. The state did a lot. The feds did a lot. The city spit on us, and particularly Mayor Cooper and his staff. What would you like him to have done? Like, what would what would be well, something he had that he could have He done. had 160 to 190 million dollars that he never sent an accounting to to the state on where he spent it and for what and how it benefited small businesses. And then he went back to Governor Lee and asked for more money, and Governor Lee looked at him and said, you still hadn't accounted for the last bit of money I gave you, so absolutely not. I'm not giving you any more money. One city in the state of Tennessee has more debt than the entire state of Tennessee. We probably generate more tax revenue than the entire state of Tennessee too, right?
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely.
0: And I mean, but it's criminal with what we've done in the last ten years with our budgets. I mean, it's it's criminal that that we're not in better shape.
2: So, Carrie, do you think that you know? Perhaps the mayor should have created some sort of program similar to, like you know, the restaurant revitalization fund or the PPP or something like that to with that money to help local businesses or
0: do you absolutely think there's some
2: other kind of program that could have
0: absolutely or tax relief.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: freeze the property. If, if I've got you closed, yeah. Why are you paying property tax? Well,
2: I mean, you know, and what I mean, you were saying earlier, Brandon, about Kerry owns his property, so he has to pay the taxes. I, I don't know my property, but I still, I still have pay to pay. Still. I still pay the taxes. And, 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 I, made the, and I made that, <laughs> that argument in my that, letter. Yeah. In
0: my letter, you know, I, I said, it's not just property owners. It is leaseholders right. that have a triple net lease. You know, somebody like a Rudy's Jazz Club is down the street from me that leases. You know, they didn't account in their business plan for a 600% increase in property taxes. Nobody budgets for that because- It doesn't happen ever except in Nashville. And, you know, and and, I mean, it's unprecedented the amount that our property taxes have gone up. And we see the result of it. All these restaurants are gone. In fact, I predicted two years ago in that letter that places like Arnold's would be gone. And where are they now? Arnold's is gone. Now, Arnold's may come back and Arnold's left on their terms... They were able to, they bought their property when I bought mine, uh, you know, after 30 years of leasing, and they were fortunate enough to be able to buy that property. But had Arnold's not owned that property, they'd have probably been gone sooner. And they chose to go, but I'm telling you, it's the fatigue from COVID, and it was the fatigue from Cooper's administration and from the tax hikes that drove them out. And you can, you can, talk to anybody and Cooper might say well that's not really why and they left on their terms. Yeah, they left on their terms, but let me tell you something. It was a lot of pain before they made that decision and I know the family personally and I don't want to speak for them. You can talk to them, you know, on your own with this show, but and then <laughs> and then on the second to last day before before they closed, when I was there on Friday, we fed their staff and Cooper has the gall to walk in and present them with a certificate from the city, telling them how great they were. Where was Cooper two years ago?
1: You know, it's funny because I, I I did an interview with Khalil in the middle of this, and he was he was hot. I mean,
0: it's been it's it's caused it's caused health problems for Rose. It's caused the family undue stress. I mean, this is and this is not just Arnold's. Look at who have, all the other places that are gone. I mean, we've lost so many and and it's a direct result of the fact that our city was not willing to stand up and say we value your con- your contribution to the community, we value the fact that you employ all these people and that you're reliable and you and you attract people at a national level, we value that. They don't. So let
1: me ask you this. I don't know if <clears throat> Do you think that there's, he's indirectly saying, I want your small business to close because of what's going to come in its place from out of town. We'll build a bigger building and I'll get more tax revenue
0: from that. It, 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 well, one, they're getting the same amount of tax revenue from me right now as they would somebody else in my space, unless they put a hotel up and started collecting hotel taxes or hospitality taxes, but Inadvertently, yes, that's what the city is saying. So, you know, it's a. I was in a meeting with business leaders, and I meet regularly with a group of business leaders where we'll interview folks. We just spoke with um, uh, Senator Jack Johnson. We've met with potential mayoral candidates. We'll probably meet with all of the mayoral candidates. And, you know, one of the smart guys in the room, older, older and wiser than I am, you know, said we've got to decide what we want Nashville to be. And he said, you know, we have to decide as business leaders what do we want? Because we task Butch Spearden and we task the Chamber with going out and, you know, recruiting businesses and going out and promoting Nashville and saying this and making this the it destination. And they did it. They did their job. And and, you know, but but how much is enough?
2: Carrie you know, something that has always really struck me, and I feel like I didn't have a really great understanding of of how it seemed like things were working in the city until during the pandemic, you were very generous to invite Tony and I to a, uh, I guess, kind of a and a Q&A or yeah. info session of restaurant and hospitality leaders to talk to the mayor's office and to talk to Convention and Visitors Bureau about what can we do for restaurants during this time. Now, you and Tony and myself were the only independent small businesses right. included in that conversation everyone else was a large group
0: i think barrett a, a was in there barrett Hobbs. He's, in, oh, he's independent that's
2: right um i was the only female in the room representing a business i i you know i don't believe there were any people of color in that room representing a business which is something that that really struck me what do you think that you know the convention and visitors bureau in the city has really done for small businesses do you think that cuz you know, I've had feelings at times where I feel like really all they care about is, you know, downtown and, and you know, some of the, the larger corporations and, and that there's not enough attention put on the small businesses in the neighborhoods.
0: Yeah, listen, I, I, I don't disagree. So double edged sword. I work with the uh, with the Convention and Visitors Bureau on a regular basis. They've been good to us. They've helped promote us. Um, I have butted heads with Butch on certain issues. Uh, And and certainly, uh, you know where where they thought something was a good idea. I clearly came out and said no, I don't. And one of them is like the stadium, and you know there've been other issues where I've said, "Butch, I can't stand behind you on this." And you know, and he said, "I understand," and you know, uh, I get it, you know. But but I'm I got to go a different way, and I and I get that. He's tasked with something, and I'm you know, and I've got my interest in mind as well as other small businesses. The Chamber of Commerce, same thing. They're not aligned with my interest anymore. The Nashville Chamber of Commerce is not aligned with the small business owner in Nashville anymore.
1: They are, they are. Who
0: are they aligned with? They're aligned with the Alliance Bernstein. They're aligned with the Oracle. They're aligned with the Amazon. They're aligned with the big corporations. And they don't they're not looking out for me, and if you can look at it in their actions and in the things that they've sent out because i've I've had words with them on how I can't support them anymore because they're not supporting you know why am I going to pay dues to an organization that's gonna act against my best interest
2: what what are the things specifically that i forget you've seen?
0: the I forget the big issue I had a huge a huge uh, fight with them on i I forget what it was I'll have to go back and look <laughs> at my emails I could tell you um. But, but they just, they're not looking out for us as, as small business owners. And the fact of the matter is that this current administration is not looking out for us. They can do all the lip service they want. Cooper can go show up at all the photo ops he wants. Cooper can do all the inclusion and equity and diversity appearances that he wants. At the end of the day, when you lose an Arnold's, if you lose a Silver Sands, if you lose businesses on Jefferson Street, it's because the city has put new development progress ahead of historical landmarks. Well, Rotiers the, uh, the, you know, the the exit in, you know the exit in. Don't get me started on that because I'm not. That owner's a whole different ball game, and I don't know him personally, but I, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go down the exit in road.
1: You <laughs> do <laughs> <laughs> go down a lot of roads, not that road. Well,
0: look, I mean, you know, if like I said, I don't know that owner personally. Maybe a dynamite guy, um, but they the exit in was the exit in when they went in that space. They leased the space, you know. Now the space has been trashed. A developer bought it. He wanted to continue to have it be the exit in you know, at least for the foreseeable future, and invested in development on people. And, you know, when they left that space, they yanked everything. The owner, you know, applied for a trademark on Exit N last year, which is being fought by the new owners. And, you know, look, if you if you truly owned the Exit Inn intellectual property or you were the new Exit N or you bought the whole identity, you should have bought the trademark when you bought the business, or you should have registered the trademark when you bought the business. That's my personal view. It's not a hindsight, you know. Okay. I it's, I think the media,
1: I think there's these stories out there that we get really a couple takes. We get a, a, a news story that's yeah. 60 seconds long, and the accident is closing, and a lot of locals are upset about this, and they show... On the screen, little blips on social media, and then there's an article in the scene, or there's an article in the Tennesseean that's a column, and sometimes yeah. you get a personal opinion, but you don't get deep. You don't
0: hear. No, and listen, the I, like story. I said, I, I hadn't talked to the new owners or the old owners, and so I'm not educated enough. I've got a personal opinion on it, but I'm not educated enough from both sides to really make a a, a big argument. I will say this. As a small business owner, and I've seen this happen time and time again, if you do not own your property or have long enough options on that lease to where you can be somewhere for a long enough time to make your money and to make it work, or you don't have a backup plan if your lease is starting to come into play, then you are putting yourself at risk, and that is your issue as a business owner. So I'm not, that's not a one way or the other. I'm just stating a fact that if you are, if I had signed a 15 year lease, well, the, the original lease that I signed for Pegleg was next to Arnold's on the corner there, where there's a party uh, foul? No, no, opposite way of the building that's connected to Arnold's.
2: Oh, the, there's like a boutique. I there's think. there's a boutique yeah. there. Sure, okay. There was
0: an antique store in it when I signed the lease. They had just put them out. It used to be Estelle's. They had just put them out. I had signed the lease. We had. I had been talking with the owners for a year. We had agreed on a lease on a term, on a on a price. Uh, it was going to be a five year lease with two five year options. Waited for a year for that property. <clears throat> Got the keys. I mean, sign. I, then right before, right before it was vacant, the owners came back and they said, "We want to change the terms. We want it to be a five-year lease with two three-year options." And I said, "Well, I don't really like that." And we've been talking all year about this other one, but I, whatever. I want to get open. I've been waiting long enough, and so I'll sign that lease. Uh, I, uh, now, if I had signed that lease right there. I'd have one more year left, and I'd be out. And so I, I should have started looking last year for a new place to move if I had signed that. I, signed, I did sign that lease. It goes back to the owners for countersignature. This is the lease that they wrote. Two weeks go by, and they hadn't countersigned it, and they come back and they say, our family got together and we decided we wanted to change and we didn't want to lock up the building for more than five years. Now it's just a five-year lease. And I said, well, uh, through our real estate people, I told my real estate person, I said, you can tell that family they can go fuck themselves. I'm not going to do business with people who do business that way. And I would never be a, a lessee of somebody who does business that way. And so I walked. It was the most painful moment for me in the restaurant industry. My wife looked at me and said, well, everything happens for a reason. Maybe it's the best. And I said, fuck you too. <laughs> and I I love my wife. We've been together I, 35 years. And but it, that's the way I felt that day. Felt I had waited for a year. Like, I felt personally personally just, you know, crapped on and I was furious. Luckily, we had looked at another building down the street, Shannon Electric.
1: We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We are supported by Robbins Insurance an independent insurance agency known for providing customized insurance policies, sound guidance, and attentive service. Robbins is also known for delivering exceptional coverage to Nashville's restaurants and bars. Whether it's a fryer fire that sets off the sprinkler system and leaves your restaurant sopping wet on a busy Saturday night, or it's a a once-in-a-decade tornado that cuts off your electricity and subsequently spoils all the food in your walk-in, Robbins has seen it all. And they know how to create policies that will get your business back on its feet as quickly as possible in the event a disaster strikes. Look, when it comes to insuring your restaurant, bar, brewery, bakery, grocery store, hotel, or whatever, you need someone who knows the industry, who understands your business, and who will create a policy that protects your space, your staff, and your concept. That's Robbins. Visit Robbins' website at robbinsins.com. That's R O B I N -S 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 S ins.com to request your insurance consultation. Once again, that's robinsins.com. We absolutely love partnering with Charpier's Bakery. Aaron Mosso has been selling bread, fresh baked bread to locally owned operated restaurants 6 days a week for 36 years. Yes, her father started the company 36 years ago and Aaron took it over uh, five years ago and it is doing amazing things I have so many guests that come in the studio that are like I love Sharpies they save me so much time and the bread is so good so we uh we've got round buns specialty round buns dinner rolls hoagies baguettes they do cheesecake they do flourless chocolate torts, they do specially loaf breads and regular loaf breads and bullies bullies b-o-u-l-e-s Sourdough, Long Tuscan, Wheat, Multigrain. They got everything. You should go check them out at Sharpiers.com. That is c h a r p i e r s. C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. Or you should give them a call at 615-356-0872. Supporting local is so damn important. And Aaron Moso and all of our friends over at Sharpies Bakery do that daily. Give her a call right now.
0: And But that's the way I felt that day. I had waited for a year. I felt personally, personally, just, you know, crapped on. And I was furious. Luckily, we had looked at another building down the street, Shannon Electric. Uh, We had already toured it. I liked it because it was cinder block, no windows. It was perfect. Um, They had said they would do a lease to purchase. Uh, We went and met with them, and then we you know, proposed what we were going to do to the building. They said, that's ah, so too many modifications. We don't want to do that, but we will sell it. And they ended up selling it. We ended up buying it, which, uh, you know, I, was, I had to make that deal work at the spur of a moment, which was not easy. But we got it done, and we bought it. My wife was 100% correct. My wife was correct. <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened to us because th- at that point we purchased our property.
1: I like, I like that you leaned into the microphone to say yes. my wife was correct. Like it's now on recorded area. I've yeah. said it. She's going to, she's going to record that little thing. And it's going to yeah. be yeah. the way that her phone answers right. from now on. It's going to be like, <laughs> instead of her ringtone, yeah. tones like my wife is correct. Oh, that's my yeah. husband calling.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. But, but so it, it did work out, but had I signed, had I stayed with that original lease, I'd be looking for a new place right now. And I feel like we're just hitting our stride at 10 years. So that's the reality of the restaurant business when you're in a lease situation. And a lot of people don't think that they can afford to buy, but if you look at a 30-year mortgage, you, a lot of owners are surprised when they look at what they're paying in rent versus what they can actually afford to buy. It, it may be cheaper to buy, if they can come up with the original down payment or find a partner that can come up with the original down payment.
2: You know, Carrie, I think that's really, really good for you to say that because I think that a lot of business owners, you know, especially people trying to start a restaurant are starting at such a low rung that you don't even consider that. I'll be honest. I never in a million years considered buying a space when we were first looking for something, you know, I think that something that I've seen happening in Nashville that, that worries me when we talk about the future of Nashville is it seems that commercial rents have gone up so astronomically here. They are that what that that only corporate businesses, only large corporations can afford to come into town. What are independent operators to do when you have a concept, when you want to open something in Nashville and rents start at $35, 40 dollars a square foot triple net you know I, what kind of business can can pay that kind of rent not not I mean not many if we were starting out let's say we were starting from scratch today trying to get Nikki's open there's no way that we could make it, that work
0: it's very tough I mean I, I'm I mean I've talked to people about rents across the board from downtown out to out you know out to Franklin and I mean they're all are going we, through are the we roof gonna
2: see any sort of a change in this what what's gonna happen
0: I mean 48, 50, and 60 are numbers I'm hearing right now.
2: It's Right it's now like, that's on, like on New rents. York.
0: <laughs> it, it is like New York. and wow. And, and you know, it's, it's very tough. So I would say that, one, if you can find a property, then a lot of people don't realize that they can afford it and that it'll be cheaper in the long run. And it'll give them, one, it'll be cheaper in the long run, potentially. Two, it, they'll build the equity. Uh, three, that equity will help fuel restaurant growth, you know, and build long-term wealth. And, and so it's a – but you, you're exactly right. When somebody's struggling just to get the money to open a restaurant, <clears throat> you know, I didn't, I didn't have the money to open a restaurant. I went to three separate banks. They weren't going to loan me the money. You know, I had a little bit of money I had pulled out of my 401K. And it was right after the banking crash and everything. And so the banks were super strict. I wasn't going to get a loan. And so I found a private investor. And, and I, I had an investor when I first started. And I was able to buy that investor out very quickly, within six months. Um, wow. But the reason that I was able to do that is that I found the building. And he and I worked a deal to buy the building. And then I had that building as equity. And after we renovated it, it was worth more. And, you know, after a year, it was worth more. I ended up buying that partner out of the restaurant part after six months, and I bought them out of the building part after four years. They made a 1,200% return on the money they put in the deal. Wow. But I had to be smart enough to find the deal, savvy enough to negotiate the deal, Uh, savvy enough to find an investor who believed in me. I had to be able to articulate that story so that they got excited about my vision. And that's what business owners need to understand and, and be able to do. And if you're thinking about opening a restaurant, you know, or any business, I would say take two years while you're still working your regular job. Research, research, research. Meet with everybody that you can. Drink it in. Go talk to other restaurant owners. I, I'm, I mentor people on a regular basis that come to me and say, what do I need to do? And I'm, I'm happy to sit down with them and spend time in my office and say, here's what I would do. And I, and they'll bring me business plans. and And I'll say this and that. And I'm like, look, you need to slash this. You need to do this. It's about feeding people. It's about putting your ego aside and understand do you want to be in bit, do you want to get all the accolades you know do you want to get all the honors and everybody know that you're a amazing chef or do you want to feed your family and make money
1: do you want to be an instagram star or do you want to create experiences and nourish your community and feed your family and provide
0: i yeah. think i
2: think it's hard too because i think that so many people who, you know, came up working in restaurants in a certain kind of way. When you want to start your own business, a lot of people come at it from the wrong angle, which we certainly did. We came at it of, we love this. We're so passionate about this. This is, this is our passion. This is what we love now, you know, through our first restaurant opening and closing. And then, you know, now with Nikki's, I have a. Night and day mindset from when I first started out. Well, listen, I, I think about profit first. You know, of course, we have great quality food and great hospitality, but, but I don't. I only think about money first,
0: and that's not selling out. Listen, it, it, to, to to want a better life for your family and to be able to feed your kids or put them in a better school, or whatever, that's not. And that's not selling out in my book. And you can, you know, some people say, "Do you want to be rich or do you want to be famous?" Uh, that doesn't have to be a choice. You can be both, um, but if you want to. But you know,
1: rich, rich or happy? I think. It was, you want to be rich or do you want to be happy? Is that no, the no? Look, rich hey, or famous?
0: Uh, uh, rich. I've heard a lot of people say rich or famous. Which one do you want to be? You know, uh, money. Oh, I see what you're okay. I see. Money is. Does money make you happy? Not necessarily. Does money make you more comfortable? It helps. I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm gonna tell you, it helps. You're able to access more things. You're able to access better health care. You're able to access better experiences. Sleep and better at night. You don't have to be a slave to money. You don't have to worship money. But there's nothing wrong with being able to make a good living and be able to provide for your family. Um, you know, that's called, you know, being a good parent. You know, or,
1: <laughs> Daniel mean, Tosh has a joke and he says, which immediately should be a red flag, that uh, he goes, money doesn't buy happiness. I call bullshit. He goes, money buys the wave runner. He goes, you know, it's impossible to frown on a wave runner. You get a wave, or you get a boat because that's what money buys you. And that, that's so it does. It buys it's you like happiness. It's like
2: that country song. It can buy me a boat. Have you? you know, I can't remember I, I, who it is, I, but it's like money can't buy happiness, but it can buy me a boat and a Yeti. Iced down with cores. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: the, the thing about it is, and, and I had this problem for years, and, and I just gave this uh, piece of advice to somebody else. Don't sell yourself short. If you have a talent, if you've worked hard, if you've put in the time and the hours, everybody tends to sell themselves short. I know that I have multiple times in my career. Don't be afraid to fail you know um because through those failures you're going to learn more than you can ever learn from winning and and don't sell yourself short you know don't lower what you're worth um I've done a lot of deals where I've underestimated the value of what people would pay for my work and i i probably still do that some but I don't do it near as much and um that confidence and understanding what my value is to somebody uh, has helped me uh, a lot along the past 10 years. Um, and, you know, and get active. I, I say get active in the community because it affects us. You know, if we get back to the progress, you know, thing about Nashville, it, it again, what do we want for our city? I mean, do we want to continue to grow to, to no ends? Um, and, and that's okay if that's what we decide collectively that we want to do. But there's a cost to that. There's a, you're going to lose the Arnold's. You're going to lose the the small businesses on Jefferson Street. You're going to lose, you know, a, a lot of the character. You're going to lose the exit ends. You're going. I mean, that stuff is going to happen. Um, so you just have to. You got to know that going in. But if if Nashville truly cares, like our political leaders say that they care about keeping these businesses and keeping these landmarks, then the city city needs to start acting like it and acting in a way or making breaks for those businesses to be able to continue to, uh, you know, make it. It's like Caroline said, at what point is it just too expensive to run a business in the city of Nashville. I mean, how much, with so many restaurants, with so many attractions, everybody vying for those dollars, how much does it take for you to pay yourself and to pay your staff and pay your rent and pay the new taxes?
1: Well, we talked about this um, on, on a show not long ago on a roundup where we talked about Caroline got an, an, a review from somebody who was pissed off because they paid $54 for a pizza a shot and a beer or something tip. With, with tip. And they were like, you're robbing your community. I'm like, no, 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 no. Fuck you. I go, listen, <laughs> restaurant owners need to charge
0: yeah.
1: the appropriate amount. I think there's a fear in restaurants that they're going to get that review. So they only charge what they think that other people should charge and we go, you have to rent is sk- People don't under the general public doesn't understand what costs are and overhead and all these other things. you got to charge what's you got to charge. And I think there's a fear of people doing that. And when developers and people, if you're your lease owner, they're not afraid to charge that. Kroger's not no. afraid to charge right. that. We as restaurateurs have to charge the prices that we need to, to to make it. And I think there's a lot of fear out there for that.
0: There is. And and I get it. I, that That is something that you don't want to hear from a customer. Um, but again, you know, until I wrote the letter explaining the taxes which you know still a lot of people are clueless. I don't think a lot of people in this city they look at their property taxes and they go, "Okay, I was paying 2500 and now I'm paying 3200." That's how that affected me. Okay, I can live with that. That's not that big of a deal. They don't understand that no, I was paying 9900 and now I'm paying seventy two seventy five thousand. 75,000. That's how it affected me. <laughs> wow. as a business owner. So you who come to my restaurant, you think about me in the same way that you think about your property taxes on your house. And you think, oh, this is what's happened with my house. You don't look it, at mine. And then, you know, and and most of my customers had zero idea what we were paying in property taxes. You, people, you have a lot of tourists that come in there. Yeah, but, but it, our regulars had no idea the burden on us from a tax standpoint. Even when we opened over in the Oasis, before we ever even were able to break ground in permitting, in hookup fees, in water impact fees, in sidewalk fees, we cut $50,000 in checks before we touched the dirt.
1: So if you're wondering, Kerry sounds, if if there's a well, he seems upset with Cooper. Like when you write in those checks, well, those are my tax dollars going to play here, you expect something in return for that, right?
0: Well, it, you know, it's not just Cooper, it's our city council. I mean, you know, Cooper's the easiest scapegoat. So, I'm not And he inherited a lot of this. Cooper inherited a lot, but let me tell you, he has not done anything to fix it and don't let him tell you that he has cuz he hadn't Okay, And the other problem with Cooper is he'll sit and listen to you and act like he's listening and act like he's going to do one thing, and he'll turn around and he'll do something else. Okay, So, I mean, it, it, with with Briley, at least you knew what you were getting because he'd tell you what he was going to do and he'd do it. Cooper doesn't do that. That's my problem with Cooper is that he, has, he gives you lip service and then he doesn't do it. I've met with Cooper. I was going to on ask. Or, have you yes, sat down I, and met with him? and I've met with him, him on, on one or grievances? two occasions. I met with him when we when he first got to be mayor. Let me tell you, I wrote a check to the Cooper campaign when he was running. Okay, I thought he was going to be a good option. He was a business owner. I thought he would be, you know, the the best option that we had. Uh, I've sat with him uh, with other leaders, and you know, and he was cordial, and he listened, you know, and he acted interested. But his actions have shown otherwise, and so that's where I have an issue with Cooper. Is that and, and and he can't please everybody, and I get that. It's a tough job, you know. I don't hate Cooper personally, okay. So don't don't get that, you know. But I don't like the job that he's done. I've been very vocal about it. I've you know I've talked to his staff and met with groups where we've you know asked for help in our community of restaurants. And they fell on deaf ears. They were ignored, you know, and and that's where I've had a problem with that administration. And I've been very open about it. I've been very vocal, but I hadn't been. You know, I'm not doing anything behind Cooper's back here. No, I you know, understand. It, it,
2: do you think that organizations like you were mentioning the Chamber of Commerce earlier, which I I I know nothing about this, um, but do you think that? those organizations such as the chamber of commerce are too influential with the mayor's office in, in
0: well, the chamber of commerce gets money from the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, it's a, <laughs> you can I follow mean, the trail, right? follow the trail. I mean, look, it's a problem with all of our politics. It's not just on a local level. It's on a, you know, it can be on a regional level and it's certainly at a national level. We're divided right now. And that's unfortunate because when we sit down and even though I have differing political views, then even you and I have very differing political views on a lot of things. But we can agree probably on 90% of it. Sure,
2: and, and you and I have always had very friendly and respectful conversations. You know, you're 100%. somebody who's been so generous to us. Just a, a yeah. few weeks ago, I called you and said, hey, I want to run some ideas by you. What do you think is my, my neighbor, you know, my business neighbor yeah. in the nation? So,
0: Yeah, it's a, it, it, we need to get back to that as a country and certainly as a city. We can't do it with a 40-person city council. And luckily our state legislature is looking at you know limiting the number of people that you can have on any board or council in the state, and that would knock that down to 20 uh, across the state. And that will be a good thing for Nashville if they do that. Why, ha-
2: why do you think that would be a good thing for Nashville? Well,
0: I'm going I'm to tell you a, a very specific and exact reason. When they were doing the budget, um, you know, you had some people in there that really wanted to slash the budget and make some cuts and make some balance that budget and make it work. And it's a double-edged sword because some of this comes from the conservative side. Some of it comes from the liberal side with a 40 person city council, which we have no business having Miami has a 12 person city council to give you an example. The only two cities that, that are as big or bigger than ours are New York and Chicago. And look at the shape they're both in. They can't, agree on anything they can't make significant change in decisions and because of our sunshine laws which were meant for transparency they can't have a gathering of of any small group of them so if you have six people that are cpas that are on the city council that can get together say they're from both sides of the aisle and they can sit in a room and they can hammer out a budget because that's what they do for a living they understand it they can't meet. They have to have everybody there. I didn't know that. Because of the can't, sunshine laws. It's hard they to get can't, that
1: many people together.
0: They can't, they can't have a, yeah, so think about if you, had, if you had to put 40 people in a room and make a decision, a strategic decision about your restaurant, how hard do you think that'd be?
2: Sure, I, I, think, that's, I think that's a very good point.
0: That's what our city oh, council, yeah. that's what our city council has to do. So, you know, with my leadership in my restaurant, I lead from the top. And then I have, you know, GMs, and I meet with the GMs, and I tell them my directives, and I walk through the restaurant, and I see what I do, and then my GMs meet with my managers. And that's a normal structure of a business or a restaurant um, that's as large as we are. But, But in our city council, you're talking about trying to get 40 people in a room, 20 of whom may not be able to balance their own checkbook. And now you want to get them to agree on a budget for the city? Half of them don't even know what's going on. I mean, and that's not to call anybody stupid or anything. It's just if that's not your forte, if that's not your expertise, that's why I hire a CPA out to the because, people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, because they're they're they know what they're talking about. But when, but, but you got to have people that have a basic understanding of it. I mean, it would be better to have, you know, folks that that can get together in a smaller group and really hammer it out. Or just have a smaller group in general where you can build a better consensus or explain it to people. And that's not to cut out any any representation of any particular neighborhood or any particular people in the city. It's just good business. And right now, our city does not have good business. And we have in the past. We've had leaders like Bredesen. You know, we've had... Uh, other leaders along the way that have done a good job—that nobody cared whether they were Republican or Democrat. They were fiscally responsible, and they looked out for the small business owner in the city of Nashville.
2: So, do you think that there's that type of political divisiveness that is causing some of the problems with with Nashville? And
0: I think there's a yes able to get things done. Yes, I think there's political divisiveness.
1: We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. The WineView app is a new sponsor to Nashville Restaurant Radio and we couldn't be more excited. This is a sommelier in the pocket of every server in your restaurant. Hiring a sommelier is expensive and not every restaurant has the capability of doing it, until now. The WineView app is a SOM in the pocket of every single server. Let's talk about how it works. First, download the free app. Sign up your restaurant and the app will pair all of your menu items with wine from your list. Servers, bartenders, and managers will have access to menu pairings at their fingertips. WineView is also accessible to your guests to help them make more decisions on their own. You know, 80% of guests say they would order more wine if it was recommended or paired with menu items. WineView is the only app guaranteed to increase wine sales in only two months. Contact Nicole Masilo to learn more about this guarantee at 615 969-5337. Think differently about your wine program, empower your servers, streamline the training process, delight guests, and sell more wine with the WineView app. While we're talking about insurance, we can't not talk about health insurance and how important it is to offer this for your employees. Guys, healthy employees are better employees. You have improved employee retention. Happier team members means longer tenures and less training time and costs. When employees take care of their health, they're less likely to take sick days. This means a reduction in lost productivity and revenue for your business. A healthy workplace with opportunities for growth is a happy workplace. Encouraging your team's well being will result in higher morale and better work performance. Guys, these are all things that you can get through providing health insurance for your staff. Also, if you don't have health insurance, you can sign up as an individual for health insurance through Southern Health Insurance. Because these guys are doing amazing things. Dan Marr wants to talk to you. Uh, his number is 832-816-8602. And in 2023, if you're not offering health insurance for your staff, it is an absolute necessity. You need to do this for your team. It's super important. Please give them a call today. Who are your inspirations? Who would you look up to? When you saw somebody and you looked up to somebody and you went, I can do it. Who are the people that you saw do that?
0: Um, you know, I was—I I, I mean, there were a lot of people that I that I saw. I was always interested in business and people that were successful and entrepreneurs. I was fortunate enough that I had a mentor. My my parents got divorced early, and I love my father. Uh, he's passed away now. My mother was very, uh, my mother was very instrumental in my success in the fact that she said, you know, you're going to get up, you're going to do this. You know, I don't feel sorry for you. You're not going to, you know, don't have any pity party over here. Uh, you know, I said well, I want to be amid- needed a little bit of I, that at some point, right? I, well, I mean, you know, she was there for me, but she didn't. I, I didn't feel sorry for myself. Sure. My mother had taught me by that age that I had my leg cut off that, you know, you're going to get up and move on. And um, but when my parents were divorced and we, we were here in town, I had a next door neighbor. His name is Reed Morgan, uh, and he's like a second father to me. And he was, he was a young man. He was in his 30s when they moved in next door. He was starting a family. Uh, he had a, a, a son named Clay who is now like a uh, younger brother to me. I babysat that boy from the time he was born. But Reed was a salesman, and Reed mentored me, and Reed instilled in me that you can do anything that you want to do. And you know what you can you want to keep your nose just above the waterline. And you know he taught me early on. Uh, we're about to build my dream house right now. I just leveled my house. I was going to ask you about uh, that. It's like yeah, your house is leveled. What are you doing leveled, over there? Is gone. Well, we're building a new house, which I've been wanting to do for a long time. I lived next door to Reed on Woodmont. Then Reed moved into Oak Hill. But anyway, I worked for Reed and his wife Kathy, and. um, <clears throat> Reed taught me that that nothing is impossible, and that you're you you are the only one that's going to limit your success. And I started on an entrepreneurial path at a very young age, and uh, and I had his mentorship helping me, and and so the house that I'm uh, the property that I'm about to build on, <laughs> I couldn't afford when I bought it. And, but Reed had always told me, he was like, you can buy whatever house you want. And I say no, Reed, the bank will only give me this much money. <laughs> and he said, well, then you go get it somewhere else. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, there's other places other than the bank. And I said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, well, I mean, so you want to go spend 350000 on a house? And I said, you know, I see, yeah. And he said, uh, well, somebody will loan you that money. Now they may charge you 15%, but they'll loan you the money. It says, so you, you you have to understand that you're only limited by the risk that you're willing to take. So you, you can, you know, you can start a restaurant. I can take somebody that's broke right now. They can start a restaurant. I mean, they can go out, and they can find a million bucks. Now they may get charged 20%. They may get charged 30%. Hell, their investor may take 50%. They may take 60%. But you can do it. But you can do it. It is out there. And I would say that that's true for anybody. And they can find a mentor or they can find a network or they can go out and network just like I did, just like they can. I mean, the opportunity is there. There's networks in Nashville. There's entrepreneur centers in Nashville. You know,
2: I, I don't mean to cut you off, but, yeah. you know, I, I actually don't think anybody can do it. I think that people who are entrepreneurs who have the tenacity and the stamina and the I'm not gonna give up, and I'm gonna keep getting kicked, and I'm gonna keep going. I don't think just anybody can do that. I really don't.
0: But, well, I I, I you know agree. What I mean? So yeah, no. I think so so I don't I, know. Maybe a no. I understand your point. Self-loathing
2: breeds so, no, certain extent. No, no, no. no well, to, it's, it's,
0: I, I get your point. So to you know? to that point, yeah. I think yes, you have to have the right mindset. What I'm saying is, I don't. think, I think you're limited by your own mindset or whether you have the sure. personality or the grit to get up and well, do it.
1: Parent, parenting for me, one of the things, my favorite quote of all time is a Henry Ford quote. You might know what I'm about to say. And the actual quote is whether you think you can do a thing or you think you cannot do a thing, you're right. And so my kids, anytime he says I have two boys, they're seven and nine and they'll say, but dad, I can't do that. And I go, well, I, I, I guess you're right. You can't do that. And I go, well, what do you mean? I go, well, it's whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you don't think you can do it, then you probably can't do it. But if you think you can do it, you could at least try it. And maybe you'll then recognize how close you are to not being able to do it. And you can close that gap and you can keep working on it. And then guess what? Then you'll do it. You have to find the way. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And it is a mindset. That's to back to what you were saying. Everybody can't do it. Some people cannot get past that mindset right there.
0: We, we had the saying in my house that came from my father and then I gave to my three children was can't, never could.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Can't, never could. That's it. I don't want to hear, you know, and, and same with within my organization, I don't want to hear my people say we can't do that. The, the answer, you know, it, it, it needs to be I don't think that's such a great idea or that's going to be difficult, here's why. And and here's what we could do instead, or here's an alternative. Come with a solution. Solutions, yes. But but hey, we can't do that. You know, I mean, uh, it's it's. Hey, I mean, and when you have people in your organization, uh, you know that are like you tell them something that's stupid. You know, you need (laughs) to get rid of them. (laughs) That's a cancer in your organization. It's not a culture fit. It's not a culture fit when you're a positive person and you want to grow your business and your company. And, you know, I I think all of these play into not only being a good restaurateur, but being a good business person and being a good person is, you know, there is a – and I sound cold, cut, and dry on a lot of things. That's not who I am. I'm just more of a matter-of-fact you know, kind of, I- I'm going to tell you what I think. Well, and I think
2: that a lot of people, I, I certainly do appreciate that about you, Carrie, because I think that in this industry in particular, there's, there tends to be a lot of bullshit, you know, and I just love, I love a straightforward person who's just going to say, hey, here's what I think, and I'm not afraid to say it. I th- Whether it was, I agree or we disagree, just, I appreciate that so much.
1: We just had Andy Little in here. And he just left yeah. right before you and we talked about this old there's an old school mentality that back in the day you wanted to get good I mean you your whole life around barbecue and you had to learn from people and you had yeah. to listen and you had to go do the grunt work you had to be the the midnight to 6am guy on the yeah. pit you know you didn't get get to be the guy in the middle of the afternoon you had to do the overnight shift and you had to do all of these things and it's like people today want to walk in and they see on Instagram that you can do this stuff and they just oh I yeah I'll just Like no, you have to put the work in it, and I think there's, for me, there's a little bit of resentment there if I'm being honest, because I had to do all these things coming up, and I was I was passionate, I was thirsty, and I wanted to learn from people. Uh, Pat Martin talks about in growing up in Memphis or just North Mississippi that he would go find people, learn how to do whole hogs because it was just his passion. I don't think you get that today. I think there's a I think there's a. I don't I want I want the end result, but I don't want to do that work. And to me, there's a little bit of resentment there. And I don't know how that manifests itself daily, but I daily fight it because I have to learn how to well not be resentful. Does that we, make sense?
0: Well, we got a culture, you know, we got a culture that says, Hey, I don't want anybody to hurt or get their feelings hurt. You know, it's this culture of everybody gets a trophy in, in baseball. You know, and and I think this is where that attitude starts. It is when you've been told your whole life, "Oh, hey, you did a great job," even if you were out on third base picking your picking your nose when the ball <laughs> went by you. You know, which I'm, happens. Which happens. I'm not <laughs> telling happens. you. I'm not saying that your coach needs to scream his head off at you. But what I'm what I'm telling you is that your coach needs to say that wasn't such a good job, and let's do it better next time. Mm-hmm. And here's how we can do that better. And then but, show them. But when you tell everybody, man, you were all awesome. And and you and you kept losing, then then they're not gonna get any better because there's no incentive. They already got the trophy, you know. And it and it happens. It happens in business, and I, I see that attitude. We see it in a lot of people coming up. They want they want everything now. Look, my kids. I, I mean, I've got 25, 24, and and a uh, uh, 22 year old, and you know, they see what their parents have, and they want that. And you know what? It's it took. It took me forty years to get here. Hey, sorry, son. It does, You don't get what I got in forty years tomorrow. And and as tough as a parent is tough to to do that, but but I think that's where we're seeing it in our culture. Is it's not realistic.
2: I think it. I think that there should be more conversation in our culture about how to respectfully disagree and listen to each other. I, I really do. I don't. You know, I don't like to just put myself in a vacuum of surrounding myself by yeah. only like-minded people. I'll never grow or learn that way. I like to be around and have discussions with people that I don't have the same viewpoints as everything. And I think that a lot of people are afraid of that. I think a lot of people do live in that bubble of only being around people that think like they think and you know have the same exact values and you know that they have.
0: And it, you know, it's it's uh, <laughs> and. Uh, you're one hundred percent right. and And I tell you that one of the places that we can facilitate that is in our restaurants. I mean, it's a my restaurant, and I you know I go off on some tangents every once in a while. I try and do it less and less on my uh, official account. You know, I feed everybody, and I hope that you can sit down and have open and honest dialogue with people in my restaurant or even with me. if I'm sitting at the corner of the bar, I'm happy to talk to you, and I'm happy to hear, a different point of view than mine, because a lot of times I learn something that I never took into consideration because I've been in some bubble where I couldn't see that point of view. So I'm happy to do that, um, you know. But you get you get on both sides. I had somebody the other day when I said the Tennessee and published about you know, them trying to cut the city council down to 20. And I said, this is great for the city. This needs to happen. Our city's been fiscally irresponsible. We owe more than the state. And, you know, somebody got on there and just, well, I'm never going to eat at your restaurant again, blah, blah, blah. I'll go to Jack's or I'll go to Edley's. And I was like, fine. I said, fine. Those
1: are great places. Guess
0: what? They're great guys. They're great, great places. Guys. And you know what? I'm 99% sure they agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, so it, it, but, but in restaurants, we can, Foster that communication. We can keep that open line. And I'd like to say to anybody, even if you didn't like my letter about the taxes, which I got attacked on, don't ever go read uh, Reddit. At one. <laughs> after I wrote that letter, I, I went. my buddy told me, he goes, oh, yeah, there's a Reddit thread. And I, he was like, don't read it. Well, of course, the first thing I went, and I went and read it. It's about four hundred people, you know, sitting in their mother's basements, dog and peg leg porker. Probably ninety percent of them never have been to the restaurant, but boy, they had some choice words for me. I was depressed. I mean, I, I, I painful. I read that. that I read that, uh-huh. and I was depressed. But you know, instead of instead of them coming and saying, "Why do you feel like that?" You know, or because that letter was really, it was not partisan. That letter was very bipartisan. That that was, hey, this is affecting everybody. It doesn't matter what, who you voted for. A, a, an eight hundred percent tax increase in ten years is an eight hundred percent tax increase. That 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 sucks for everybody, and um, but boy, they went after me. I mean, they just went after me hard. And uh, some in particular, I got some council people went after me. <laughs> which was you know and i clapped back on a few of them and then i had some people reel me in they were like that's not good
1: don't 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 do that well is there anything right now i mean last time we did an interview like you we had talked and then you you wrote this letter do you have any drafts right now <laughs> do you have any drafts out uh, there that uh, you're working you know, on that you can uh that we can just jump news. into i mean I don't know how much time you got
0: there's, I mean, there's a lot of things I'd love to say. I'm trying to temper myself from doing that. My wife has threatened me on, uh, on writing any more op-ed pieces and like that. Op-ed. Well, you can say there was it one you have to was one I There was one I was going to write the other day. What set me off? I forget. Boy, I was really, I was really uh, torn up. I don't know. It. Um, I'm very opinionated. I don't generally hold it back, and I and I will uh, defend it, and I will listen to your counter opinion. And if you come to me with a valid uh, counter opinion, I'm I'm likely to change my mind. You know, if I've seen something that I didn't see before, so I'm uh, certainly open to those discussions. Um, well, you um, know,
2: here's here's something kind of going back to you know. I think that too many people feel like they can't have conversations with, with things that they don't agree with. Kiri, you're somebody who you've been such a, a huge supporter to Tony and myself. You've been such a great friend to us at times. You've been a mentor to us and and we consider you a great friend. And I, I may disagree with some of the things that you've said, but I feel like I know your heart and I know you as a person. So that's not going to make me feel differently
0: sure about how adults talk
2: exactly this is it
0: Uh, exactly 100 and this is what our this is what our congressional leaders used to do
2: and i think that this is kind of the discourse that's that's missing maybe we're getting to even bigger topics here today but in our society as a whole i I think that this is what's missing is the ability for people to sit down and brian might say well i think it's this instead of that and i'll say i think it's this and you say no it's that you know that that we can all sit down and you know maybe we can learn something
0: (laughs) well it's a you know if if you provide a seat for everybody at the table, then, then you can have those open discussions and not, you know, take it as a personal affront. I mean, I've got a lot of people that I am close friends with that, well, the mentor that I spoke with you about, Reed Morgan, who was a significantly influential in my life and who is the reason I'm successful now, one of the key players in my success now. Has very different political views. He and his wife have very different political views than I do, and you know it, it doesn't make me love Reed and Kathy any less. Uh, we can dis. We just don't. We don't talk about it a lot of the time. And if we do talk about it, we'll have a civil discussion. And if it gets too heated, then you know we'll go. Eh, that's enough of that. Yeah. My father-in-law says, "Let's talk about ducks." You know, <laughs> you you it. it um,
2: or barbecue. Yeah, I mean that's barbecue. a great equalizer, but, right?
0: But yeah, I mean we're in the food business which is, can be a great equalizer and and it's I think we can help facilitate a lot of these conversations as long as we don't polarize each other. And and I am a, you know, being more on the conservative side in the restaurant business, I'm odd man out. Okay, <laughs> I mean I tell you. And as a member of you know, I was a member of the Southern Foodways Alliance for many, many years and still support a lot of what they do. But I felt like the direction they were going in was to beat me on the head with a hammer and tell me that I was a bad guy. I was saying, hey, I'm just, I'm just doing the same thing that anybody else is doing out here, grinding out, trying to make a living and, and do better for my family. They have the mantra of there's a seat for everybody at the table. Well... Then they have an annual convention, and the tickets are $900 a seat. So when the people that they make films about can't afford to have a seat at the table to watch the film that they may be starring in, then I think that you have a problem. And and I called them out on this. This is nothing that I hadn't said to John T. or to the organization. And um, uh, they've done a lot of amazing things and a lot of histories and documentaries and stuff. But I felt like, and I expressed it, and I was, you know, I, there were a lot of people that felt like me but that were afraid to speak up. Uh, hey, guess what? You didn't make a seat for everybody at the table. If you wanted to make a seat for everybody at the table, you'd host a one-day event. It would be $20 a seat, or you would get grant money, or you would get donation money, and you would allow everybody to come and have the discussion at the table. But when you, <laughs> when you charge 900 a seat, and, you, and, your, and your and your audience looks ninety percent ninety five percent homogenous, and all your speakers may be diverse, but your audience is about ninety five percent homogenous. Then are you really practicing what you preach? I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not saying they're right Fair or enough. they're wrong, but but sometimes people need to stand up and say, look in the mirror. And I've had people do it to me. And I'm and you know I'm thankful when somebody says, "Carrie, you're not you talking about this, but look at what you're actually doing." Then I I have to reflect and go, "Oh wow, maybe they're right." You know, and that's why I still read almost every review that comes through for my restaurant. It's not fun to look at them. It's like the Reddit. Sometimes they make you feel like shit. But there's a kernel. <laughs> There's a kernel of truth in almost every one. And if you are humble enough to, or care enough about your business to look at them, then it may point out things that you can't see with your naked eye that you can then go back and try and do better on. And now, you know, you got to weed out the ones that are just emotional or just crappy <laughs> or just being jerks. But the ones I... I and they're I've, there. Yeah, they're there. I've always appreciated the sincerity of somebody who writes me a personal note or who sends me a personal email that says, hey, you normally do a great job and I'm a big fan, but let me tell you what happened the last two times I was in. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that the last one that I got was about my new restaurant, the Oasis, and it was about how the cutters were cutting the meat and they were cutting it the wrong way. And – You know, first thing I did after I got that was I said I went to my GM, I went to the staff, and I was like, this customer was right. Mm -hmm. This is why they had a bad experience. It was our fault. And they're a fan. They want to love us. But we weren't on, on our game. And so we need to better train the guy that's on the meat block to know how to cut it correctly. Because that affects the customer experience, and so that's what we that's what we did.
1: I think you have the all time best um, best response from <laughs> any review out there, and I recorded
0: it. Yeah, yeah, I've I've, I've written it, a few. You
2: you did read one at uh, when uh, yeah when y'all years had ago when we had. People hate us on Yelp, and we had people come out and read bad Yelp reviews. Which, man, I'd love to do that again one that day. That was fun. It was really fun.
1: Yeah. I want to see if I want if I can play this. <laughs> <laughs> um. Damn it! I I, I had to. I, I've got this on on. It, see there you go. I can find my TikTok here. I want to play this, and then we'll, well then we'll 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 let you get out of here. We've kept uh, you here for yeah. for a long time, and I, I just no appreciate. Problem. Yeah. Appreciate you taking the time because we've tried to do this for like two months. Oh, yeah. Finally well, got you here.
0: Well, and these are good discussions, and you can get, you know, uh, uh, you can, I, I mean, I think you can see that we can have a back and forth and we can agree and we can agree to disagree. Um, but it's important to have the conversation.
2: I, I absolutely agree.
0: And, you know, it And does. And, and if Mayor Cooper wanted to sit down with me and have the conversation, I'd be happy to. I don't think he does, but.
2: Now we're dying but, to get him in here for an interview. Maybe we'll wait to release this episode until we get yeah. him on the calendar.
0: <laughs> well, it, uh, I've been pretty transparent. No, on but that listen, issue. that's
2: that's what I love about this this format too. Is that people can come in and you know share share ideas, share thoughts. You know, encourage discussion. I, I think sure. it's great. I think.
1: All right, you ready? Yeah. yeah. Let's see if I can get this thing going here. Jimmy M.
0: From Jimmy M. I guess I don't get the allure of eating in a dumpy, rundown building off an alley. They have no pulled chicken, no burnt ends, no beef, only pork. One barbecue sauce is labeled mild. Why label if you don't have any others? Kool-Aid pickles barely taste like anything other than pickles, but you pay four dollars for what normally costs like fifty cents. Bathrooms are absolutely disgusting. They have one trash can smashed in a corner where you have to figure out where to separate all your dishes from them. They don't have a, can they not have a busboy? You're bombarded with people while you're trying to figure out where they want you to place your bent up silverware. (laughs) Try St. Louis barbecue, way better. Update, the owner's smug response is below and it sounds like I was pretty spot on. I had feeling this isn't somewhere I wanted to go back. (laughs) (laughs) What a dick. (laughs)
1: I, I think that the, the last part, the wooded deck. So then here I have his response. Here we go. All
0: right. So here's my, my response to Jimmy, Jimmy, sorry that you had a bad experience. That dumpy rundown building, as you call it, is actually very clean, well-maintained barbecue restaurant with a health rating of 98. The fact that it's a cinder block building on a side street, doesn't make it a dump. It's a hundred percent family owned and operated restaurant. And one of the highest rated barbecue spots in Nashville. We're proud of our place and we have quite a bit of money invested in it. Sorry we don't pull your chicken for you. We figured that you can muster the strength to do that yourself. We serve an award-winning, very tender smoked half chicken. Pulling it before you order it would only dry it out. You're right. We don't have burn-ins or beef. We serve real Tennessee barbecue. It says so on the mural outside. Did you see that before you walked in? That means pork and chicken. If you want brisket, go to Texas. We have even the shir- we even have a shirt that says that very thing. <laughs> Maybe you should have bought one. As far as our sauces go, we have our Peg Leg Porker or Original, the oh, same sauce, and then a white sauce. We're proud of our sauce. In fact, Bon Appetit named it a top five barbecue sauce in their barbecue issue. We don't need one from every region. We cook Tennessee barbecue. We make a sauce that reflects our regional style and hometown. We don't pretend to be something to everyone and folks that do usually end up doing a mediocre job of it. If you don't like the cost of the pickles, don't order them. Very few things in a restaurant cost 50 cents. Maybe you can open up a Kool-Aid pickle place and charge 50 cents for your pickles. Who knows, (laughs) you may knock it out of the park. You only have to sell a couple hundred thousand orders to cover your overhead each month. Our bathrooms are not disgusting at all. They're cleaned multiple times daily. In fact, the picture that you posted Shows that they're clean. You may be freaked out by an unfinished concrete floor, but that doesn't make the bathroom unclean. It means it has a concrete floor. I don't know what the inside of a prison bathroom looks like, but maybe you do, Jimmy. You do, Jimmy. Lastly, we have bus boys. My son was one of them on the day you were in. We encourage you to bus your own table, but if you can't muster up the strength to do it, then we'll do it for you. My boys are more than capable and have been taught to keep our restaurant as clean as possible. No tip necessary. By having customers self-bust, we can serve more customers and keep costs down. The only thing that you're right about is St. Louis does have some pretty great barbecue. Most of those guys are close friends of ours. Peppy Smokehouse, Bogarts, Sugarfire, Salt and Smoke are all great places run by great people. I hope they still welcome you there because, quite frankly, I'm not sure we'll welcome you back here. See you later, Jimmy. (laughs) Yeah, I...
1: Uh, All-time all great. So like, good. I
2: I think that's the one you read at our Yelp event. It was...
1: Friday. Friday.
2: The... Mwah, chef's kiss. If you yeah. look at
1: the bathroom in the picture that Jimmy posts, it's... A it was clean. clean. It's a spotless. clean, spotless... It's yeah. like, if cinder blocks and concrete floors freak you out, maybe... Yeah. I don't know what it's like in prison. Maybe you yeah. do. I was
2: like, no. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is the maybe you can open a Kool Aid pickle place and charge 50 cents. That's just... You only
1: have to sell a couple hundred thousand to cover over. It. Yeah. I mean, I may mean, knock it out what of the a park.
0: <laughs> Jimmy. Fabulous. What a, what a legend. What a dick. <laughs> what a that guy was. I'm like, what a dick. Oh, my God. Jimmy. Yeah.
1: Well, Carrie, I, again, I don't know how to say thank you. We can drop the mic yeah. with that one. I, um, the final thing, we now we now have a, a title sponsor in Gordon Food Service. Oh, nice. I love them. They're amazing people. Yeah. They sponsor our final thought, okay. our final thought, which is, this, this is your time. This is the time. You get to say whatever you want to say for as long as you want to say it. You're taking us out. This is Kerry Bringle's final thought of the day. After that, we're just going to drop the mic and go.
0: All right. Uh, I would just say, folks in Nashville, if you want to keep your landmarks, if you want to keep your locally owned businesses or your independent businesses, the one that are important to you, then uh, work with your city council members, work with your mayor, work with the uh, uh, mayor's office, and and try and preserve those. Find ways to help do that. Uh, Support them with your dollars, but also support them with your voice. You need to let the city know when when they when we lose a landmark how it affects you personally and what we can do better as a city in the future. Uh, if you're gonna bitch about it, then you need to be active in making the changes uh, that will change the situation. So, vote. Um, or, or, and vote, and 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 before you vote, make sure that you talk to the candidates or you understand their positions and uh, where they're going to be on it and uh, hopefully they'll be truthful with you most of them are um, but uh, a lot of them aren't <laughs> so go out there and advocate and support your local uh, businesses it's important carrie thanks for being here man always a pleasure thanks thank carrie
1: thank you so much again to carrie Bringle for coming in studio and talking to us that sound Jared he was drinking a uh he was drinking a. a a coffee, I And it was down to just, I was drinking a water or something. It's down to ice. And every once in a while you hear like this ice rolling around, that was Carrie taking a sip when we would talk.
2: Well, I meant to ask him and I kept forgetting the whole interview. It looked like tea and Carrie is just such a Southerner. I was like, I really hope that's a big cup of sweet tea. <laughs> I, I bet it was. Whatever it was, it was mm-hmm. empty
1: because he, he had it and then he was just, rolling around ice in there i'm like well these mics really pick up everything on that don't they
2: i, I found it to be very uh nice ambient sound yeah i, did too. I was <laughs> like if people are wondering
1: like the hell was that sound there it is we give you the answer after the episode uh, again thank you carrie for coming in and i would love to hear your thoughts on that so message us at nash restaurant radio and um hopefully again kind of like we started off hopefully that inspired you to want to go out and learn more about what's going on in nashville what's going on with everybody and we're gonna do a we're gonna do some follow-up episodes on this
2: i hope so where we
1: can get some local politicians in here and we can talk about some of the issues that are matter that affect us all as nashvillians and uh, we can maybe help present some information to you
2: I, I i think that would be great i think that it's really important for uh for us to understand what's really happening in the city because the change is happening so rapidly. So uh, hopefully we can get some more people in here, like you said, Brandon, and, and get a better handle on things.
1: 100%. I think this is the fun evolution of what this podcast can do. You know, we come in and we just, you get a guy who wants a barbecue place and we want to talk about it. I don't think we talked about barbecue one time. No, I don't barbecue
2: think so. Barbecue never even came up. <laughs>
1: And that's fun because that kind of propels us to a, wow, and it gets my mind going. And it it gives us more opportunity to create some content and hopefully create some, some food for thought for you. So thanks for listening out there. Hope that you have a wonderful week. Stay tuned. We'll have the Valentine's Roundup coming up next. Um, you hopefully will listen and find out what you can do to somebody. For somebody that you love. (laughs) We're not going to tell you what to do to the person that you love unless that's make them be happy. I'm just going to shut up right now.
0: All right, guys. Have a great week. Hope you're
1: being safe out there. Love you guys. Bye.